everybody, and welcome to Toddler Purgatory. I'm Molly. Hey, hey, I'm Blair. And today, I'm glad the landscapers left, finally. Not mine. <laughs> we don't have landscapers, but our neighbors do. <laughs> Either is mine, girl. Don't worry. Nope. My land is more of a hellscape. Because <laughs> somebody needs to weed and mulch, and apparently it's me. Oh, boo. boo. And today, we are talking about... How can we set our kids up with positive body images, no matter what they look like, no matter what their size is? <laughs> oh, because people come in all shapes and sizes, and it doesn't matter how many times we tell ourselves and everybody else that, there are so many other messages coming in. So many. From billboards, from magazines, from conversations with other people, from our brains. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard for us I mean, not to make this about us, but to make this about us, Mel. Mm-hmm, sure. It's hard. I don't know about you, but being a mom and being in this business, right? We are in the business of being actors. Being actors, yes. Is like the changes that my body has been through and all the things. And then like the wanting my body to be what it was, but now this is what it is and not being. It's just like it's an endless cycle of degradation. Is that a word? <laughs> Yes, degrading yourself, I guess that would be. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and also, Mm. my biggest challenge probably is actually the exact same thing. Mm. Is like, I try not to pine for how my body used to be. Oh, it's tough. Because you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. Our bodies are not supposed to stay the same. Like, if I had the same body as I did when I was 24. Ooh, girl. That would be (laughs) why. Let's go back there. So here comes a we should statement. We should not pine for the bodies we once had because bodies are not supposed to stay the same our whole lives. That would be weird. We would have the body of a newborn. Like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? So like we can't pick and choose what age we get to stop our body from changing or maturing or whatever. Right. And I know this intellectually. That's a we should or I should statement. I should, you know, always love the body that I have. And I a lot of the times do. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes that gremlin in my head tells me, why doesn't your body look like it did when you were 26? Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why do, what did Joan Rivers say? When I put on my bra, it's like putting on two wet socks with sand in the toes. (laughs) Can we talk? Can we talk? Can we talk? Can we talk about it? And I'm like, okay, so my boobs look very different than they used to. Very different. Ooh, them girls was perky. (laughs) But we're not here to pine over our bodies (laughs) pre-kids. Because that's not what this is about. Right now, what we're trying to do is talk about how can we set our kids up for success. Right. And a lot of that has to do with stopping what we're doing right now. Right. Which is really talking about our body at all. But certainly in negative ways. And it is hard. It's so hard. I read this article in Good Housekeeping by an author named Sumner Brooks. She's a registered dietitian, and it's How to Raise a Kid. And the way she puts it is, she said, we want to protect our kids from harm. Of course, we are parents. Duh. But when it comes to food, health, weight, and body image, fostering an uncomplicated positive outlook can be a giant challenge. Uh, Uncomplicated. That's where I, like, struggle. Yes, There is no, I can't think of one person in my life who has an uncomplicated relationship with health, weight, food. Right, right. 
it may not be perfect. You know, it may not be a mess or whatever or perfect, but everybody falls somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. And we're all trying to break these things, aren't we? Like this is ingrained in us. And what it is, is like diet culture. Diet culture. What was it like for you growing up, like with your mom and your sister, like as a kid? What was that like? Where did it start? Or what are like some of your first memories of like being aware of it? Of the kind of thing like diet culture and the pervasive message from media and the society at large that being small is better, being thin is better. (laughs) And somehow equates being healthy, which we now know is not true. Yeah, because I grew up with those thoughts primarily in the 80s, I would say. And I bet it was, there was no internet. Mm -mm. So in some ways that was a blessing because for me it was maybe like magazines. Right, yeah. Like the Girls in 17 magazine, who, of course, I looked at when I was 12. Oh, Cosmo, yeah. yeah. Cosmo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think I saw Cosmo very much. (laughs) Maybe on the stand at the grocery store, but I was too obsessed with Sesame Street magazine, which was two racks down (laughs) to care about the Cosmo. There it is. And also, it seemed very far away from my life. Like, if I saw the cover of Cosmopolitan magazine when I was a kid, it was like, and it wasn't actors then. It was all supermodels and models. And they looked otherworldly. They were alien. Right. Right. Of course. That's what they were. Yeah. Yeah. So that was helpful. Yeah, that was helpful that they seemed so far away from what I was doing. But I do sort of remember my mom going on diets. Mm -hmm. Mine too. Slim fast cans. I remember like there would be like moments in my mom's life where there was just like, you know, slim fast cans in the refrigerator. And I'd be like, oh, can I have one? Milkshakes. Cause, yeah, exactly, because I remember a shake for breakfast, a shake for lunch, and a sensible dinner. Yes, I do remember that. Remember that? And I was like, oh, a shake? Like, oh, like a milkshake. And I'd be like, mom, can I have this? She's like, no, they're expensive. Get your hands off of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've all grown up in some way with this kind of imaging, this message. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, it wasn't until I was much older that I saw any kind of man yeah. Represented in this way. Yeah. It's always women. In my experience, yes. Mine too. Mine too. Not that men didn't have this, you know, pressure to look a certain way, but it definitely was not the same as it is for women. For sure. And these ideals, these expectations, mm-hmm. this idea that if you are anything but, but. <laughs> razor thin, you can pretty much kiss away the idea about being successful. Ugh. In general, much less in an, in an acting world that we're in. Just in life. Yeah. Yeah. It's complicated. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's complicated. It really is. And here's the other thing, too. Even though we may not consciously believe this, Mm. because I always talk about the difference between like my brain and my heart. You know what I mean? I'm like, my brain tells me (laughs) that that's BS, right? But the layers of information, life, and the information that life has given me about this, the quote unquote information. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes goes against what I know in my head, you know, as Sumner Brooks, your cousin, your long lost cousin says, yeah. these harmful messages seep into our thinking. And now we have the added layer, not only of our own ideas about weight and how our own weight will affect our success and our confidence and all this other stuff. But now we have our kids to worry about because we want to protect our kids from the weight stigma that we are all facing because we want to protect them from everything. It is anything but uncomplicated. That's for darn sure. It's complicated. My gosh. Yeah. And I struggle with, for some reason, and I think it's because it's been beaten to my head, I don't have an issue with my son. You know, I'm like, yeah, whatever. 
you know, live your life, kid. And then I see little things with my daughter where, you know, she'll have on a particular dress or something and she'll be like, oh, mommy, do I look pretty? Or, you know, and it's like, oh, she's aware of it for how she looks. And I'm like, oh, she's three. She's three years old. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like she has some sense, some awareness of it. And then just because how I am, you know, like I try not to like get on myself like in front of them just because I don't want to do that anyway. I don't want to teach them those habits. But I know sometimes it's just like the energy I carry. I know sometimes when I like leave out of the house and I'm not feeling like 100% in what I'm wearing or how I'm feeling, I know I'm wearing that in my energy. And it's just like, oh, complicated. It is complicated. And here's a great reminder um, from this article. She says, our culture is not just unfair, but in many cases dehumanizing to people living in larger bodies. And here's a point that I think is really great to make. She says, that's the actual problem, not Mm. people's bodies themselves. It's because our culture is unfair and dehumanizing. That's the problem. Wow. Wow. That's the problem. Yes. But it's been like this for so long. Like to undo it, to unthink it. Like I really try and I see, you know what's crazy? This is not so cuckoo bird is that I will be like at the pool with the kids, right? And I'll see someone just owning it in a bathing suit, you know, with not an average typical, you know, accepted, thin, whatever. Yeah. Whatever societal poo poo, whatever accepted, thin. Yeah. And I'm like owning it, looking great, right? And I instantly say, gosh, she looks amazing. But girl, like, it's okay. Like, what makes you think that she looks better than what you're capable of? Because of her confidence. Because of how she's just, like, not caring. How she's just owning it. How she's just there. Or how, like, and sometimes I look and I'm like, I'm like, damn, that bathing suit looks good with those curves. It is so complicated. And I think that these messages, I don't know about your feed, your in social media feed. Social media is, you know, the worst and but also can be amazing and, and uplifting if you choose to read those ones. But I feel like the kind of messages like definition of a bikini body, a body in a bikini. Like we haven't seen those kind of messages in my childhood. Those are new. <laughs> How to have a bikini body. Yes, brand new. How to have a bikini body. One, have a body. Two, put it in a bikini. New. Brand new. I love that. So here we are coming into this with all of our preconceived notions, conscious and unconscious, about what a healthy body means, our own hangups on weight and what how that relates to healthiness. So what can we do at home to foster a great relationship between our kids and food? When we come back, we'll talk more about it, but... The two things this dietitian recommends, she says, raising kids from an anti-diet philosophy is about two main objectives. Number one is helping them understand that their worth as a human does not rest on their appearance. I can get behind that. Yep. Yes. Same, 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 same. And we'll talk about some examples when we come back. And supporting our kids in finding a way of eating that is pleasant and nourishing, essentially fostering a good relationship between our kids and food. Yes. Oh, boy. We can do it. We got this. We got this. We got this. We got this. We're just going to unravel centuries of (laughs) societal pressure about how our bodies are supposed to look and whether that, you know, is related to how our bodies are supposed to feel. Everything's fine. Great. We can get it done. Stick around. We can get it. (laughs) When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. 
When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hey, we're back on Toddler Purgatory talking about positive body image. And I just want to tell this one quick story, Blair. I think I've told this to you. Mm. One time I was at my gym, which is also like a community center. Mm -hmm. And it's a great place. I love it. I'm very grateful for it. And I was getting changed and one of those water fitness classes was starting. So people were, it very much has people, I would say, 70 years old and up, maybe 65 and up. Mm -hmm. And I was just getting changed in the same locker room to go work out. And this woman was there. And first, a woman was in the shower and said, hey, can you hand me my towel? I left it over there. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. And she said, sorry. She's like, normally I would just traipse across the <laughs> locker room and get it. But there's a lot of people in here today or something like that. And I said, oh my gosh, no problem. And so I picked it up and gave it to her. And there was a woman who was at a locker near mine, a few down, and she was probably 70. And she said, I know that feel something like, I know that feeling. I don't have the body that I used to, that I can just walk around naked anymore. And I kind of laughed. And, and she said, well, that's the good news about this class is that we're all over 70. So we're used to seeing our own bad bodies, something Aww. like that. And I don't know why it stopped me in my tracks. Yeah. Because I wanted this person to know that there is no bad body. Mm -hmm. And so I did. I told her. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, no, there's no bad bodies. I'm like, they're holding us up and keeping us alive. And that makes them a great body. Mm -hmm. Something like that. And she kind of was like, huh, yeah, all right. Okay. She sort of like ruefully said yes. <laughs> and then kind of went to her class. And I wanted to be like... I want to like shake her and be like, but also like, I don't know, like I'm so angry about the messaging that we've had for generations that this woman in her 70s, 70s is talking about her bad body. Yeah. And I want to be like, what a glorious body you have. Here you are. We are so lucky that some of us get to make it to our 70s. Right. Knock on wood. Oh. Please, please, please let me make it to my 70s and be able to go to this awesome water aerobics class where they play jams. From the 50s and 60s. All right. 1950s and 1960s. I mean, they're living their lives with going to get to the church on time. There we go. They are looking at how much for that doggy in the window. There we they go. have such great songs. Yeah. 
I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I am in. I want to be in my 70s going to that class and showing my body. (laughs) But that was just an example of how this has been a factor in our lives, particularly women's lives, Mm -hmm. for generations. A very long time. A very, very long time. So that's what we have to do first. The first step in helping our kids to foster good relationships between our kids and food and between our kids and their own bodies at home is we have to start with ourselves. Yeah. And not only look at how we talk about our own bodies, how we feel about our own bodies, but also the influences that we, our brains have had on our relationship to our own bodies since we were kids. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's okay to say this stuff is ingrained in us and it's going to be a constant battle. So like go easy on yourself. Yes, for sure. I say this with the utmost compassion. Mm-hmm. Like our relationship with our body is complicated. It's not always great. And we've had a lot of messages from since when we were kids about how it's supposed to look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just for me, the biggest thing has been, and especially with having my children, is that it's all about nourishment. In the food that I eat and in the words that I say to them and what I feed them. You know what I mean? Like, it's all about like nourishing our bodies and our minds with healthy thoughts, with healthy foods. Yes. And every now and then I'm going to have a bad thought and that's okay. And every now and then I'm going to eat some McDonald's and that's okay. Every now and then I go to McDonald's once a week. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I meant by every now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a great point to like be forgiving on yourself too. Because every once in a while you're going to put your hand on your belly and say in front of your kid, oh, Oof. what is going on here? <laughs> Why don't I look like I did when I was 26? Who did this? Oh, right, you two. (laughs) Whoever did this to me, come right here, right now. That was me, mama. Get over here. Oh, 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 God, I love you. I love you. I love you. (laughs) So just a, a reminder, so many of us have had negative or traumatic experiences relating to our bodies, our appearance, or our size. I remember one time some jerk. When I was in college, I went to, no, high school, I went to some kind of a concert in Mansfield, Massachusetts. And on the way out, some guy was trying to talk to my friends. We're all in the car together. And I kind of leaned forward and said, hey, we're trying to get out of here or something. And he said, don't get mad at me just because you look like you got hit in the face with a bag of nickels. (gasps) Can you imagine saying something? What's his name? Where does he live? What is his blood type? What is his social security number? I'm going to go. I will crush him. I will crush him. (laughs) And I'll never forget, I was probably 15 years old. So this probably 18-year-old kid said it to a 15-year-old, and it has stayed with me for none of your business years. <laughs> <laughs> so, and now I know. Oh, I'd like to find him, Molly, and bag a nickel his face. <laughs> well, of course, now, thank goodness, I have the advantage of space and time and age. I'm incredibly wise now. I'm incredibly wise. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I can look back and know that that was his issue with his own self, not with me. But... But at the time, it was incredibly painful. And of course, because I had just been hitting myself in the face with bags of nickels. (laughs) Kids are so mean. And I mean, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to protect our kids from having people comment to them about their appearance in any way, much less at home. So here's some quick reminders about where you can start with yourself. Try to not body bash yourself and don't judge others' bodies or food choices, particularly in front of your kid. Right? For sure. What are kids doing? Watching and listening all the time. All of the time. All the time. Man, that's hard. It is hard. I sometimes think about 
how many times I put on a, I don't even realize, you know, that he's listening because he's like playing in the next room or he's on my bed with his trucks while I'm getting ready for to go somewhere. We're go, heading to dinner or whatever. And I think about how many times I have put on a dress, say, and they do look different on me now than they did. Not to mention my pandemic pounds, much less my post body. And they look different. Things look different. Things fit differently now. And I don't have a million dollars to update my wardrobe every time I go up in dress size. Sorry, but I oh. don't. Yeah. So I'll put something on and I might even look in the mirror and go, oh, no, and take that off. And I wonder even that like negative. Yeah. What's it? Yeah. I don't know. I think about that. What are these little tiny, it's a thousand tiny cuts, right? Like what are these little things? Yeah. But is he even like thinking about it? Is he, you know, like, is he putting that together that you're disgruntled with your body? He could think it's just a dress. Yes. But I think that it is subconscious messaging. Totally. So, like, do I think he's sitting there playing with his monster trucks going, hmm, mom seems to be unhappy with her body size. <laughs> <laughs> no, because he's not a robot. But I think it's in the background. And if you hear something in the background long enough, it gets louder. Or you put it together. Even kids. Yeah. No, it's true. I don't think my mom ever said anything directly to me about her body or her weight. But like I said, the slim fast cans, the Weight Watchers... I remember the one, oh, oh, and you remember she brought it out on the wagon, the fat on the wagon? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, there was an episode where Oprah got skinny. She got real skinny. I do remember that skinny when she came out. Like, I've seen that clip of her coming out and be like, hey, and she was really skinny. Yes, yes. And she brought out a wagon full of fat, and I remember my mom recorded that on VHS, and she watched it a few times. And I remember like watching it with her and I was like, and I didn't quite put it together, like why she was watching it. But all I remember was just like how skinny she was. And then that wagon of fat, that will never leave me. <laughs> no, I haven't even seen it. And it's already stayed with me just from you describing it just now. Yeah, it was the amount of fat that she had lost that she had on a like a radio flyer wagon. She pulled out on stage. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, it's a visual image that stayed with you. That's interesting. It's And obviously it stayed with my mom, you know? Well, that is interesting that she you never heard her really talking about her weight. I don't really remember it either. I just remember my mom eating like cottage cheese and pineapple when we were having like cube steak or whatever. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like I do remember that and being like, why is mom eating lettuce? Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Well, your mom's mm -hmm. on a diet. And then it was very much like not a big deal. It wasn't. Yes. I'm dieting. I'm dieting. Jeez. Here's a couple of other things we can do to start with ourselves. Don't express guilt for relaxing instead of exercising. Okay. Be aware of how often you talk about feeling guilty or about having cheat days or earning your food with exercise. Criticizing your own sugar intake, which I do. I do that. Or any other weight talk. Just be aware of that. Start being aware of it. Start listening to yourself. Be aware of it. And another thing that they say we can do by starting with ourselves, which I really love, which is model what it looks like to eat with joy. Oh, yes. I have no problem doing that. <laughs> I am a joyful eater. <laughs> That's me most of the time at dinner. <laughs> That's great. I love the idea that you're just verbally affirming every bite. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was the best one. Oh, no, this one is. This one is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> totally. So now that we've looked at our own behaviors, we've just become aware. It's sort of like, what was the other episode that we talked about where if we just step outside ourselves... And watch. Mm. It's just being more aware, but being aware of our own reactions to our kids mm -hmm. and just being aware of what we're saying around them. 
how we're treating our own bodies and talking about other people's bodies around them. So we're just becoming a little more aware, right? We can do that. Mm -hmm. Another tip they say, which I love, is pay attention to diet culture. So now we're not only stepping outside ourselves to be aware of our own relationship to diet culture, but also the diet culture at large and raise your kid to question its premises. Ah, yeah. Now, this is somewhere I can work on this because like, for instance, the example they give is when your kid comes home from school talking about how bad sugar is because they learned it from their friend or an adult or a teacher or the school nurse. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people in professional positions who have their own specific relationship to diet culture. So we have to take all of that into account. So this is their suggestion of how to react to this. And I need to be better about this. I'm glad I'm reading this. Their idea is engage them in conversation curiously, saying, hmm, that's an interesting thing to say. I wonder, is sugar always bad? Is it nice that we get to have yummy tasting food with our meals sometimes or bake cookies together sometimes? Would we want to stop celebrating with special cakes or going out for ice cream? I wonder if sugar really is bad or if that's maybe not quite true. What do you think? I love that. Mm. They use the I wonder phrase, which is really good. And they ask the kid their opinion, too. Yeah. I always forget when I'm talking, especially to my five-year-old, that everything comes with a period. I wonder, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's like once it's been said, it's like, oh, that is the law of the land, period, point blank. Mom, what do you think about this? Because it's the truth. Oh, me too. I shut it down. And my initial reaction is like, no, it's not. Or yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Right? But like, oh, I like the idea of like helping them be curious and inquisitive, like me being the person to perpetuate like the curiosity in the conversation as opposed to telling them gay, nay. Well, that's what they say. They say you don't have to convince them you know everything. Because I I think that's the pressure I put myself under too is like, (laughs) my kid asked me a question and if I don't know it, I start to panic. (laughs) I'm like, oh, uh, rather than being like, huh, that's a good question. I wonder blankety blank blank. Uh. It's also that like thing where if you don't know the answer, oh my gosh, there's going to be 20 more questions to follow. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the inquisition. It's like, you better come up with an answer fast or you're going to be here till dinner. So I think you're right, Blair. You hit the nail on the head that you are showing them the art of inquisitive thinking. You are showing them to question things, the skill of you're teaching the skill of critical thinking. Mm -hmm. So when they hear stuff about food and health and weight from other people, and I have to say this again, especially people who purpose to be experts in their field, whether it's nurses or dietitians or doctors Mm -hmm. telling you all kinds of rules, right? Because they're not immune to diet culture either. They're human beings. No, yeah, of course. So, of course, that's going to... And they were raised the same as we were, Mm -hmm. you know, like with all these this messaging. So, all we're doing is teaching them to question so that when they're surrounded by diet messaging, they can pause before taking it at face value. I love that idea of they're pausing. Yes. They're pausing and going, hmm, why just because this person said it, maybe it isn't true. Maybe I should look into it further. Yeah. That's a great skill in life. That's a be real. And I wish I'd learned that earlier because I do it more now but it th- even that took me a while i didn't do it in my 20s i didn't do it much in my 20s you know what i mean same yeah. same when we come back we'll have more ideas about what we can do to support our kids at home and to break this cycle of negative body images and raise our kids to feel good about themselves their relationship to their bodies and food and get that diet culture out of our heads we'll be right back stick around i'm margaret and i'm amy and together we host the podcast what fresh hell laughing in the face of motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome back to Toddler Purgatory, where we're talking about how to keep it positive with these body images that we have when we're talking with our children. And it is complicated and it is tough. Mm -hmm. And just living out loud in front of them. Like, even when it's not talking to them. Even it's just how we conduct ourselves in front of totally. them. Totally. And another thing that they say here is highlight who your child is and what they are interested in and not their changing body. I cannot tell you how many times I have said to my son, you're getting so big. Yes. Look at how you're tall. You're getting, oh, you you know, he holds his um, foot up to my hand so we can see how big his feet are getting. Maybe that's not exactly the same thing they're talking about. But But boy, is he a big feet. I'm not going to lie. He has big feet. Uh, (laughs) But yes, that is so hard. Like Blair and I have talked about this in the past, about how our kids are the most fascinating, gorgeous creatures we've ever seen in our lives. And mother nature makes them that way so that whether they are, however they're your kids, whether it's through adoption, through marriage, through biological means, boy, do we love them because we protect them because we have to protect them. And it's hard not to say, oh, look how handsome you are. Oh, you look so handsome. Grammy and Papa are going to love that shirt at Christmas dinner or whatever. We're talking about what they look like, right? We got to lean away from that instead of leaning into that. Right. Which I, And I do that too. I mean, my... Like I said, like my daughter, sometimes she'll like put on a dress. And she's like, don't I look pretty? I'm like, yes, you do, girl. Yes, you look amazing. Look at you. You better work yourself, work your life in that dress. Supposedly, you're not really supposed to, <laughs> not really supposed to do that. It's so hard. And I think it's more about, I think their point is not to not make your kids feel good about themselves, but to not focus all of it on that. So like, for instance, their example is when her seven-year-old starts asking, do I look pretty? She tries to, she does say, I usually respond with, because I think it's really hard not to say, yes, you do. You know what I right. mean? To, the, right. to this beautiful person. It's like instant, instant validation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she suggests keeping it a little more general. You always are amazing and beautiful to me, no matter what. And maybe it's both of those. Maybe you, your instinct kicks in with, 
yes, you look beautiful in that dress. But to be honest with you, I think you look beautiful all the time. All the time. Yeah, because you're amazing no matter what you're wearing. Yep. Maybe that's the point. Yep. And she also says, young bodies go through rapid phases of growth and development, and kids are often uncomfortable, self-conscious, and insecure about it all. I mean, Molly, Mm -hmm. would you ever go back to, like, puberty times? Like, once you became aware of it? (gasps) Oh! No, thank you. So much like, it felt like so much attention. So much attention. Is on you and you just want to disappear. That's it. That's like it. Like your, yeah, your breasts are getting bigger, but they're not big enough for a bra. And right. Then you get in your period and your mom's trying to teach you how to use a tampon from the other side of the door. And yeah. There's a, you know, that one kid at school who I will not name, but he knows who he is, mm-hmm. who was making fun of me for not having shaved my legs yet. And I was like... 10 no i was 11 i was 11 meanwhile his voice is cracking like a cracking <laughs> yeah we're all going through changes person who i won't name and i went home and i told my parents that so and so made fun of me for not shaving my legs and my mom got so angry mm. and she said tell him once he starts shaving his legs you'll shave your legs because she was like <laughs> yeah lynn oh it's so hard. Yeah. Because like me explaining to my son why it's okay for him to go shirtless at the beach, but not me. You, <laughs> Molly, listen, you could. I could. I, but most beaches, I'd be arrested. You can't be topless at a beach. That's the downside it's, to it. It's also sexist. It is sexist. Because it's sexualizing breasts when breasts are what feed babies. Oh, don't even get me started, Blair. So help me. L- let's not even go there. Ah! <laughs> let's not even go there. <laughs> so when you're doing this, use words that feel natural to you. Mm-hmm. And communicate acceptance, but skip language that highlights body size or a need to look smaller or different. Mm-hmm. They say this also means not offering unsolicited feedback, such as, I think the other pants would look better on you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, making judgments on what your kid wears. Help me. Help me. Do we have to walk out of the house looking like that? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Okay, great. It's hard. We want to protect our kids from other people saying things to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can't. We can't protect them for everything, but we can help them to build up their confidence and their awesome relationship to their own body as much as we can. For sure. It's going to be peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys, but with constant validation, support, unconsistency, support, unconditional love, and respect for their body and for who they are. Especially in that moment. For sure. Because you're right, because they change. Oh my gosh. Like how fast do these kids' bodies change? So fast. So fast. It's wild. Try to keep food comments to yourself. That's hard for me because I love food. Mm -mm, mm -mm, Me too, girl. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, try to keep food comments to yourself and spend meal time connecting with your kids. The biggest thing, which I really like, this is such a good reminder, and something that I struggle with as someone who is not drawn to cooking. Mm. They say offer a variety of foods that works for your budget and cultural preferences. And I would like to add your proclivity towards or against cooking. <laughs> Do your best. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't like, Blair, you know this about me. It's just not something I'm drawn to. Mm-hmm. And it's taken me a long time to get okay with saying that out loud, to be honest with you, because I felt I was lacking in some way by not making these huge meals for my my family. Not at all. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. But offer as much of a variety as your budget and your cultural preferences and all that kind of things allows to give your kids the space to decide for themselves what they'll eat from what's offered without pressure or praise either way. 
Yeah. That is where I mess up, Blair. Mm. Because I say, oh, look how good you did on your broccoli. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, Molly, maybe say nothing. Maybe say not a thing. Maybe. I do have some worries sometimes because my son has had a couple of episodes of hypoglycemia. Mm-hmm. So I do get worried when he sits at the table, takes two bites of his rice, says he's full and asks for dessert. Yeah. That's really hard for me. And I know that. I see what you're doing there, D-Man. I see what you're doing there. I know. He's a stinker. And I'm like, ooh. And I do that thing, which I know we're not supposed to do either. Kids Eat in Color is a great Instagram account that I follow. Mm -hmm. And she says to chill out on things like, well, two more bites of Mm -hmm. blank. And then you get this thing, Mm -hmm. which we all kind of have been raised to learn is bad for you. Yeah. You can't have the thing that's bad for you. Ice cream, candy, cookie, Cannoli. I love cannolis. <laughs> Until you've had this thing that is good for you. And that's what we're teaching our kids. And I know that that is one of my shortcomings. And I've been trying so hard to watch it. Mm-hmm. I have a rule in my house that we have our veggies first for dinner. So we always start with a salad. We start with whatever the, the veggies, green stuff is. Mm-hmm. And... I don't say you can't have it until, I mean, that's a lie. I do say it a lot. Can't have it until you finish. But what I do say is that you must nourish with goodness to get even more good stuff. So you have to nourish with the good stuff, like with the regular foods first, if you want the other good stuff that makes you feel good. Right. Oh, how's it go? (laughs) (laughs) Not great. (laughs) I mean, most of the time it does. Most I must say my kids are great eaters. And that was like... Something that I set up from the jump that was something that was very, very important to me from the very beginning Mm -hmm. when I was pregnant is that I just didn't want to deal with picky kids. So I have good, good eaters. But yeah, my three-year-old, come on. She does this thing where she'll take, you know, she'll do the two-bite thing. She's like, I'm done. Oh, I'm full. And then she'll take her plate to the kitchen and I do that. "Ah, ah, 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 ah." (laughs) No, (laughs) get back here. Finish. Few more bites. And then I can have a treat. I'll think about it. Knowing damn well if her brother has a treat, I got to give this one a treat too. It's so hard. It's complicated. That's another thing kids eat in color. I think she's the one, you may have heard of this as well, but like when you give your kid the sectioned out, especially when they're younger, younger, like our kids who are new eaters, like one years old, two years old, get, having the plate and they have some broccoli, they have some chicken, they have some avocado, they have some rice and they have like an M&M yeah. or two M&Ms and they all get served together. And I've always really liked the idea of that, particularly when they're little like that. If they have one or two M&Ms, it's not going to ruin the rest of their meal. I don't do that. I don't serve dessert with food. Again, I think it's just been ingrained in me that if you do well on quote unquote regular food, then you get this treat at the end. And it is very hard for me to break that cycle. I have to admit, mm-hmm. especially because Stinker von Stinkenheimer, my five-year-old, will take two bites of you know the nourishing, you know, dinner part of things to be able to get quicker to that, you know, small bowl of ice cream or whatever. And it's tough too, because my husband and I also like a little bowl of something nice after or a couple of chocolate covered pretzels or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Well, you know, these are all cycles that we're trying to figure out. And he, my son's actually a pretty good eater. I can't really complain, but oh boy, it's hard. And, you know, they say when you feel the need to pressure, punish or reward for eating, Because that's what we're talking about, isn't it? Rewarding for eating. Yeah, no, we don't. Say to yourself, it is hard. Say to yourself, it's okay to let my kid choose what to eat from what is available. Yes. Because what is available is up to us. And I'm not a short order cook. Yes, that too. That too. Oh my God. (laughs) They don't need to be a perfect eater because perfect eating doesn't exist. 
Not at all. So put out all the goodness, all the nourishing things. We're showing our kid that we are delighted and made joyful by food. We're modeling good, you know, relationships with our food. And yeah, we don't need to pressure, punish, or reward for eating more of one thing, less of another. I do it all the time. And I'm going to really try hard to break it. Moving on from food. Oh, actually, one last thing before we move on. Be curious about changes in your child's eating. Because kids of all shapes and sizes and backgrounds and cultural backgrounds and everything can develop anxiety or eating disorders. So again, this is just being aware. Your relationship with food, how you eat, what your child, you know, sees you, your relationship with food, and being aware of your child's own relationship with food. If they suddenly stop eating, something else might be going on that you need to look into. Talking about bodies, your own and other people's. Encourage conversation about bodies in a way that is respectful and celebrates diversity. Now, this is so true, Blair. Tell me if you've had this experience. She says, many families avoid talking about bodies, thinking it's a way to avoid body judgment. But that really just makes body talk feel off limits. Right. That goes for a lot of things. Yeah, but definitely. Mm -hmm. And they say it's more protective for kids to normalize talking about bodies with you and to demystify them. For sure. Because you want home to be a safe place to ask questions. And conversation is a great way to model that, quote unquote, fat is not a bad word. It's the negative meaning our society has attached to fat that's harmful. (gasps) Yep. Or anything. And I also like... I also think that it's important, like, when you are talking about those things, is that you matter of fact them, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, like, even when I'm feeling like I don't know what I'm talking about, or I'm, like, hesitant, or I'm uncomfortable, I really try to just, like, sit in the uncomfortability of it, but present it in a way where it's like, okay, sure, yes, that person is has a bigger body, or, like, oh, a few weeks ago we were outside... (laughs) You're getting ice cream and this little person walked by and my son was fascinated and he said out loud he's like mommy that man looks like a kid and I was like yeah he's shorter like a kid but he is a full-grown man he's just like daddy he was born smaller he's a little person right as opposed to hush stop you know like right, right. Ah. I try my best to just be very matter-of-fact about it and be like again like engage his curiosity as opposed to shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> because in the moment, we have the societal pressure of feeling embarrassed or hoping that we didn't hurt that person's feeling. Of course, of course. Yes. I think you handled it great, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm I mean, no I, expert. I, I, not always. Not always. But not, I mean, nobody can handle everything great all the time. <laughs> that would be exhausting. Yeah, I think that's great. And I also think one other option you could, and I just learned this 42 minutes ago, <laughs> was also those things like asking questions. Ah, yeah. What would be a good example of a question? Like, do you think that, you know, bodies come in all shapes and sizes? Is blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, again, encouraging that critical thinking or that critical comprehension of people that they see that may, might look a little different. Because someday he might feel a little different or he might be amongst people who look different from him, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, just encouraging. Yeah, like the matter of factness of it, asking questions of them so that they can process it. And you're exposing him just by, you know, being there. It says the goal here is to celebrate all bodies and expose kids to body diversity. When a child makes a comment about their body being big or soft or squishy or bumpy or or on the other side, skinny, or you can see my ribs or that kind of thing. Instead of saying... Or instead of shutting it down, which me and Blair both do sometimes. Mm -hmm, For sure. (laughs) Yeah, saying, no, it's not. 
or telling them to just not talk about bodies, you can say, yes, it is. Isn't that neat? Bodies come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. There isn't one good way to have a body. Molly, could you imagine what life would be like if that's what we heard? When we were kids growing up. Yes, I can. I can't imagine. I can't. Yes, because we have to have the words at home to combat the stuff they're going to hear and see and experience out in society. And until we can like give them that foundation, those other voices and those other images are going to take precedence. It's hearing it in the safe space of home. Yes. That's hearing it here. Yep. There's no one good way to have a body. I try to do that as much as possible. And a place where I got a lot of my language for that and talking to my son is from a great book called Bodies Are Cool by Tyler Fader, F-E-D-E-R. I don't think we've ever talked about this book, Blair, which is weird because we talk about most things. No. (laughs) It's so good. It's called Bodies Are Cool. We got it at a bookshop here in Rhode Island where I am right now when my son was maybe three or so. And we sat in the reading corner of the bookshop and read it. Ooh, I like the cover. It's great. Oh my God, how cute is this? It's a great book. It's called Bodies Are Cool. And one of the lines that they kind of repeat throughout it, I don't have it here in Rhode Island with me, but I believe it's, all bodies are different and all bodies are cool. And I find myself saying that a lot. And it really helps to just kind of make that mantra in their own head. You know, I don't, I try not to force it. I try not to put too much pressure on it. But when we see somebody or even on ourselves, something weird, I have scars on my belly because I got my gallbladder out when I was pregnant, which is a very scary experience for me. But I have like the three dots from the laparoscopic surgery. Mm -hmm. And my son noticed them recently. And I said, oh, you know, and I told him what happened. and, And I said, he said something like, but people can see them when you wear a bikini. And I said, yes, they could. Yes, they can. They absolutely could. And I'm like, and I'm. I love them. I love the dots on my belly because all bodies are different and all bodies are cool. So I try to make it a fun thing that we say and then we move on to the next subject. But um, yeah, that's my book rec for the week. Here's a quick way to remind yourself, maybe jot this down, of how to raise kids who are satisfied with their bodies. They suggest using the R-E-A-L acronym. Keep it real. Keep it real. Number one, reduce body shame. Number two, embrace their needs. Number three, accept their desires and appetite. And number four, love their body for the way it is today. 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 Emphasis on today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As they grow. For sure. Keep it real. I love that. Yeah. It's just about supporting our kids and taking a step back and, I don't know, maybe taking a moment before we let something out of our mouth that has been ingrained in us since we were children and before that. It's hard. But you know what? It's hard work. Mm, mm, mm. It's hard. It really is. We get it. It's supposed to be. Parenting isn't just like the day-to-day, the ins and outs, the physical, you know, demands of it. It's like the mental work and it should be. And if you're, and guess what? Here it is. If you're feeling it, if you're feeling it, you're doing it and you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. And we're just being aware of our kids and raising them up to be, (laughs) I almost said better people than we are. We're pretty good people. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. We're all right. Nah, we're all right. We're pretty good. We're pretty good. Pretty good. But regardless of what their body looks like now or is going to look like when they're adults, we are giving them the foundation at home to love themselves. Love themselves. And to have that word love be stronger in their mind than all the other words they might come across in life. Right. 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 And that a healthy body is a loved body and a nourished body. For sure. Still learning it myself. Good Lord, I'm learning it. Yep. Ditto, ditto. 
We got to get out of here. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks, y'all. We hope that you have a minute to rate and review. And if you don't, that's okay. That's okay. Go grab a snack. Just go grab a snack and, you know, do you. Nourish that body. Nourish that body. But do come back. We love chatting with you. We love being with you. We'll see you next week. Take it easy. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.